From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you've joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Limitless Riches. The text is Philippians 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul's God is our God and will supply all our need. Paul felt sure of this in reference to the Philippians, and we feel sure of it as to ourselves. God will do it, for it is like Him. He loves us. He delights to bless us, and it will glorify Him to do so. His pity, His power, His love, His faithfulness all work together that we be not famished. What a measure does the Lord go by! according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The riches of his grace are large. But what shall we say of the riches of his glory? His riches of glory by Christ Jesus. Who shall form an estimate of this? According to this immeasurable measure, will God fill up the immense abyss of our necessities? He makes the Lord Jesus the receptacle and the channel of his fullness, and then he imparts to us his wealth of love in its highest form. Hallelujah! The writer knows what it is to be tried in the work of the Lord. Fidelity has been recompensed with anger, and liberal givers have stopped their subscriptions. But he whom they sought to oppress has not been one penny the poorer. Nay, rather, he has been the richer. For this promise has been true. My God shall supply all our need. God's supplies are surer than any bank.
If you have been blessed by the beautiful sacred music which forms a part of Let the Bible Speak, you may obtain a CD containing a sampling of these Christ-honoring selections. Entitled, Our Great Redeemer's Praise, this CD will provide you with nearly an hour of such beloved pieces as Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, Be Still, My Soul, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, and In Heavenly Love Abiding. These songs are performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. This CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise, Call or write for your copy today.
On this edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns commences a message entitled, The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unnamed Feast. John chapter 5 contains the account of Christ healing an impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. It is uncertain as to which feast was being observed, nor did the man have any idea of who had healed him. Yet, as Dr. Cairns will demonstrate, this chapter contains one of the greatest revelations of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many have speculated as to the nature of the healings that took place at the pool. Suffice it to say that the Bible records it, so that should be enough. Now Dr. Cairns introduces this message, The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unnamed Feast. I'm going to turn to John chapter 5. We'll not read the whole chapter. We will read uh, down to the end of verse uh, 29. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another stepeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then answered they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus, and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise." For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. 
For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. John chapter 5 starts with an unnamed feast. There was a feast of the Jews. There are many opinions among scholars and commentators as to the feast to which John makes reference. And uh, at some time or another, somebody has learnedly defended the view of uh, just about every feast that uh, is to be found in the Jewish religious calendar. There was a time when most people believed that it was the feast of Passover. The problem with that is that uh, otherwise in this book, when John refers to Passover, he mentions it by name. Some have believed it's the feast of Purim. Some believe it's the feast of Pentecost. Some believe it was another feast of Tabernacles. Uh, there is no way of being absolutely certain. One of the attractions of seeing it as the feast of the Passover is that John mentions three other Passovers. This would be the fourth, and that would really be the only way that we would have uh, of documenting from the Gospels and the chronology the Gospels themselves set uh, for holding that the ministry of Christ uh, stretched over a three to three and a half year period. Uh, but, as I say, it's impossible to be absolutely certain. Here is then an unnamed feast, and the Lord Jesus went up to it. It's interesting that throughout this chapter there is an emphasis not only upon an unnamed feast and the events surrounding it, but upon an unrecognized Christ. The Lord Jesus went to a man who had been ill, paralyzed, we would take it, or certainly a very, very... Uh, disabled as far as physical movement was concerned, for 38 years. For some time, he had been lying in this place waiting for an opportunity to be healed. The Lord Jesus comes to him, and he doesn't recognize him. And later on, we're told even after the Lord Jesus healed him, he wist not who it was that had healed him. The Jewish leaders came asking him. One would have thought that they might have jumped to the conclusion that it was Jesus. But even they're asking, who was it? 
who commanded you to take up your bed and walk. And then for the rest of the chapter, the Lord Jesus continues to speak to them. And uh, there is no recognition on their part of who he was. So we have an unrecognized Christ. And yet, at an unnamed feast, where he was largely unrecognized, the Lord Jesus gives the greatest detailed revelation of himself that you will find recorded anywhere in all the Gospels as he spoke to these people. Some people have indeed thought that the great speech of Christ in this place must have been given to the Sanhedrin because it comes over in the form of a formal defense. Personally, I can't see any evidence that this was before the Sanhedrin, but if it happened to be, then it makes the Jewish rejection of him all the more outrageous. But certainly in this chapter, you have, beginning with an unnamed feast and an unrecognized Christ, one of the deepest passages in all the Word of God, one of the most profound self-disclosures of the Lord Jesus Christ as he opened up the volume of the book of God's truth and began as he had not done before and as he didn't do after to give the Jewish people the real evidence, the real truth, and the real interpretation of the truth, putting it all together as to who he was and what his position and mission really were. So as we look at this chapter, I want us to think on that subject that I've already mentioned, the unknown Christ revealing himself at this unnamed feast. There are three closely related aspects of the personal work of Christ that jump out in this chapter. We will think as we look at the beginning of the chapter of the healing that he performed. Now I have to say right away that this is a passage that has perplexed many people. There's something unique about it. Nowhere else in the New Testament is there, even among the miracles that Christ wrought, is there anything like this, where an angel steps down uh, to a pool, troubles the waters sporadically, and the first person in gets healed. This has attracted a lot of tension, uh, attention as well as tension, and uh, it has been attacked, it has been discredited, it has been by many removed from the text of Scripture, at least part of it, the part about the angel has been removed entirely from the text of Scripture by some scholars. But at the end of the day, every attempt to discredit this passage has been unsuccessful. It sits here right in the midst of this uh, wonderful chapter, and it cannot be excised from it. Some conservatives, Bible believers, uh, think that uh, we are to insert in thought a couple of words that, uh, for example, verse 3, it was said 
verse 4, that an angel went down. That it was the common belief that an angel went down. And that all that John is doing is giving you what the Jews commonly believed, though wrongly believed. I think if you start dealing with the Bible that way, there is no place where you'll not end up uh, going. No place of disbelief. I take this as it stands. I believe the Bible because the Bible says it, not because I can understand it. I think that that's a good way to come to the Word of God. Furthermore, I don't find that it is uh, at all either unworthy of God or at all something that should surprise me, that coming up to the appearance of God in the flesh, God would begin to do something unusual in a nation that for 400 years, until John had uh, been without a speaking prophet, and even John did no miracle. I take it that this is something that had commenced very soon before the appearing publicly of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think it's something that had been going on for a great number of years. I say that for various reasons. First, there is certainly no miracle uh, mentioned in connection with the ministry of John. Uh, We are led to believe that the miracles commenced with the ministry of Christ. Furthermore, there's no reference in Josephus, the Jewish historian, of anything of a miraculous nature prior to Christ in this area. So it's something that happened, started to happen fairly soon before this period. I don't think it went on very long. Great New Testament scholar J.A. Bengal Notice that in verses 3 and 4, the the main verbs are all in the imperfect tense. And he took from that that, uh, something that was happening, but by the time of writing was no longer happening. Tertullian, one of the old-time writers, the early writers, asserted that uh, it had stopped by the time or by the rejection of the Jews of Christ. At any rate, the waters got agitated by an angel. doesn't mean to say that an angel in shining brightness actually came down. No mention of that, of anybody seeing angels. It is the Word of God that says that this was not a natural phenomenon. It's not something to explain by science. In other words, you could go to the waters and there's nothing in the mineral content of the water. There's no water on earth that's known would do this. Some of the modernists used to come to this passage and they would try to explain it as uh, some great mineral spring that every now and again would have a a sudden gush of some mineral content. I mean, let's, if you're going to tell fairy tales, at least read Hans Christian Andersen. That that is so absolutely stupid that I wonder that scholars would ever dare to insult their own intelligence, never mind attack the Word of God like that. There's not a spot on earth in the history of the world. There's no mineral concoction ever known to man in whatever concentration. There never has been, never will be such a concoction of minerals that could erupt in water and that no matter what you had, be it cancer or paralysis or psoriasis or just trouble with your mother-in-law, you jump in and it's healed. Such a thing has never been known. To try and make this a natural phenomenon is ludicrous. 
No, God tells us the real reason that he sent and did it by the disposition of angels. And that shouldn't particularly perturb a Bible believer. I'm not going into the ministry of angels, but if you read your New Testament, uh, they are not, uh, they're invisible to the eye, at least for the most part, but uh, they're certainly not inactive. There's a ministry of angels at the birth of Christ. There's a ministry of angels even in connection with the birth of John the Baptist. And the Jews had a lot more sense than some of our so-called Christians commentators because when Zacharias came out and was dumb after being in the temple and having met with the angel, without him being able to say a word about it, without any word of testimony, they looked at him and they were able to say, he has seen an angel. So they were obviously not completely ignorant of the ministry of angels. So here was an angel. And the result of the ministry was that the first into the water was healed. Some people like to spiritualize this. This will show you what you can do with spiritualizing. Mind you, I don't think that's what the passage says. But there's uh, some nice devotional thoughts. They say this is a picture of Israel. They had the Old Testament. There was a little good. There was sporadic blessing. I don't really think that's what the passage is saying. But certainly the truth is that when Christ came, there was immediate blessing. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. Founded by Dr. Alan Cairns, Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 